Fresh Air Production. Everybody wants a podcast these days, don't they? It's a brilliant way to tell nuanced stories, build thought leadership and create a community of listeners. Lovely content for your network, something to post on LinkedIn, etc. But how hard is it? Why should you bother? How do you tell if it's worked? And what's the process? That's what we do here. So welcome to Fresh Ears from Fresh Air Production. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air, and in this programme, we dissect a branded podcast with the client, the producer, and anyone else involved. So far, we've discussed our projects for AQA, our true crime series for Slater and Gordon, the intimate conversations for Happy Fall magazine, and our effort to bring down the 21st century's most powerful dictator, Vladimir Putin. That, by the way, is still a work in progress. This week, it's all about a series made by our good friends at Propeller Group. It's called The Dog and Bone. At our best, we can help brands really reinvent themselves for a new generation or for a new audience or for a new world that we find ourselves in. That's right, and I think it is, <clears throat> sometimes that is about, as you say, turnaround, <laughs> but sometimes that's about um, how you keep consistently growing a brand year after year and I think again when you think of a brand like it's a BBH song, but on Audi mm. you know it's a Vorsprung Dirk technique guiding it but if you look at the actual tone and sort of dialogue a lot of the work it's changed a lot So how do you build thought leadership in the marketing and PR industries and demonstrate your expertise with a podcast? Joining me to talk this through are Martin Lote, the chairman of Propeller Group, and Branwell Johnson, the director of content at Propeller. And, well, as a sign of how long we've been working together, there's no actual additional producer to introduce here because the producer was me. So hopefully I'll have a, a bit of insight on the process too. Uh, Martin and Branwell, welcome along to Fresh Ears. Let's start with Branwell. Bit of an introduction to Propeller Group, actually, please. Can you explain what you do for those who haven't heard of you. Hi, Neil. Uh, Propeller Groups is a specialist agency. We do public relations, which is far more than sending out just a press release, as some people might think. We produce content uh, in a wide variety of formats, and we do business development, which is very granular projects at getting uh, business conversations going and trying to help our clients actually seal business deals. Uh, and we provide those services across a whole range of clients, many in the marketing services industry, which includes digital agencies and creative agencies and media agencies. We provide those services too for many in what we're gonna call retail technology and e-commerce, which is basically online shopping and all the surrounding infrastructure that needs to be supported and also we have a number of clients in uh, fintech or financial technology as well so as i said we've been working together for a long time and and the the dog and bone in many ways is what fresh ears is to fresh air this is about talking to our clients um, it's about demonstrating a bit about what we do it's about talking through the process giving insight to the listenership why did why did you end up at a podcast? Because this is about, what, three years ago since we started talking about Dog and Bone? Two reasons. Um, the first and, and the, the most important to me is we had to learn about podcasts because it's a service we wanted to offer our clients, the production of a podcast. Um, so no better way of learning than doing. So we rolled up our sleeves, got stuck in with your help uh, and, and created a podcast for ourselves, featuring you know people we know talking about the topics and the issues that we know are important to the main audience we want to serve and then 
with those lessons learned, uh, we were able to go out and start trying to introduce our clients to the, the concept of producing their own podcasts too. Uh, and the other reason, of course, is just to build our, our own fame as well, our own brand, get it out there in the marketplace. A podcast that we produced gets talked about, gets shared. We get associated with it, associated with the kind of very senior guests that we try and attract. Um, so it's a big kind of halo effect for us too to produce a podcast. So Martin, a quick summary of, of the of the format really and, and how you came up with it. Why Originally the dog and bone was called the dog and bone because it was going to be on the phone, wasn't it? Yeah, dog and bone, Cockney rhyming stang for phone. Um, when we had the idea that we wanted to have our own podcast for the reasons that Bramwell described, uh, we realised that we did want to get some quite senior guests, certainly from our world of um, media advertising, marketing, retail and related technology, as Bramwell described. And a lot of them are very, very busy. They're not professionally publicising any, any any story and getting them across town to a studio in the in the days when people used to go into London to work, if you remember those was uh you know a bit of a challenge so we kind of hedged our bets and thought well some of them will be on the will, might be on the phone so we thought well maybe the podcast could start off as a phone call between two senior people who kind of know each other almost like catching up on what happened to them that that week or that month uh, and so we called it the dog and bone as a code for a phone so that if we needed it to, it to be a phone call we, we'd sort of pre-describe why that should be as it happened we picked up a bit of momentum and with your help um, and brilliant expertise in the studios that we used, we were able to start to attract people to come into the studio um, in, in, in the middle of London. And so we realised after a few, and it's been an evolution, that uh, we could dial down the kind of phone call aspect and actually make it a studio-delivered conversation between two people. The reason we had the two people type of format, certainly at the beginning, was being the humble souls that we are. We knew that not that many people really wanted to hear what Propeller or its people had to say. They're much more interested in what some of our senior guests, I mean, the very first podcast, we had the chief exec of uh, TSB Bank at the time and gave a very good interview with a board director of um, Reach PLC newspapers who he worked with at the time. So the idea was to get two really senior people chatting together because uh, they could add more value for our listeners than we could ourselves. And that that is, you hinted at it just now, it's quite distinctive because there are a lot of podcasts within the marketing industry and within any industry, really, where they're just talking about the industry. You know, you could have done a, a weekly podcast about the latest news in marketing and PR. Why, why not that? I mean, I suppose that's covered very well elsewhere. I think where we noticed a bit of a gap was this idea of two senior people chatting to each other. I think one of the heart of the P propeller as a PR company is we're very good at introducing people, getting conversations going, stimulating networks. So this was a kind of an extension of that. And I think if we found, whenever we found two people that had a chemistry together, which has been a, an enduring theme of the dog and bone, just in practice, they get chatting and joking and swapping anecdotes after two or three seconds or minutes rather than half an hour that people need to warm up if they don't know each other. So that got us, got, got things going quicker than uh, if we'd um, taken another route, I suppose. The other interesting thing that evolved in the format was that initially you were presenting you were kind of the the middleman you were there moderating the conversation and then i remember having a period where we sort of we we phased that out and you sort of came the other side of the glass and then you've 
appeared back in as well. How how have you judged when it's right for you to be in it and when you to step back? I suppose I just got more big headed as the two years <laughs> went on and decided I want to be be heard on the podcast that I had a role in starting. But uh, no, I think what happened there was I was trying to conduct the conversation or at least nudge, as you remember, behind the glass. This is all practical tips for I suppose you know others others think of these these sort of things and uh, just in practice it is hard to get non-broadcast professionals to guide the conversation by speaking in their ear from time to time they're just not really used to it so they tend to stop talking and that breaks the flow so after a little while I put myself into the conversation and tried to just to play that kind of a link man role between the two guests. In fact, there was one that we did, which was two very high profile guests, um, the chief executive of the Financial Times and the chief executive of the t- at the time of the Guardian Media Group. And Propeller does a lot in the media industry. So these are two big names for us. And actually one of them asked me beforehand, would you please moderate? Because he just didn't feel uh, comfortable being obliged to get the conversation going on his own. So that was the first one where I really... Uh, got into the mix, and then I did a bit more of that going forward. Although it does, it does change even now. We, you know, we keep, we do change the the format more. On, on I suppose um, worth saying here is it, the purpose of the podcast is, to, as Bramwell mentioned, is to help us market ourselves as well as tell clients what we could do for them. But on the marketing of ourselves as a as a B two B agency, in a strange way, often the audience is actually is actually the guests. You know, so if, if if I'm in a you know I'm in a room for an hour and a half with the chief executive of the FT and the Guardian, you know that that's that's pretty good sort of networking from Propeller's point of view. And you know, obviously, we'd love the listeners to be in the in the in the in the you know the tens of thousands. But even if it's not, it's it's useful for a Propeller to have that kind of ear of those people. So it means and take them to the pub afterwards. Yeah, occasionally, yeah, or, or you know, a chat in the corridor at least. But it just means that the format. For us, the format can kind of moderate to serve the overriding ambition of being a, a door opener in a kind of B2B circumstance, which is why we've done different formats, you know, at conferences and events. I mean, Bramwell, you can you can talk about what we've done there. Yeah, um, with your encouragement, Neil, we did acquire some portable kit as well. And again, that, that's about a, a learning curve for us to go out and do on location uh, recording at uh, industry events, big conferences that happen every year. Can Lines, a big one for our industry. Uh, and Martin was out there with the portable kit. Uh, and in those kind of circumstances, it, it's very opportunist. You don't necessarily line up a guest, you know, a, a week beforehand. It's who you might see in the bar uh, that afternoon or at a, at a conference session. And then you tap them up and ask if you can have half an hour of their time. So you get some immediacy, you get some vibrancy because the guests are, are kind of pretty energized when they're in that situation and you get some very very uh of the moment recording material which you've listened to yourself because you've had to edit some of it uh which you may get you may get the clinking of glasses in the background or the sound of fireworks going off or something but they in that, for those particular live type recordings that they're, they're kind of um audio ambience you know and add a bit to the flavor uh, but yeah the ability to go portable and do things very quickly uh, on the move at an event is an important weapon in the in the arsenal of creating podcasts for us. Yes, hi, this is uh, John Hegarty here. I'm at Adweek and I'm answering various questions here. And the first one is, what is the one thing you like and the one thing you dislike about industry events? The one thing I like about it is that I, I get to meet lots of other interesting people who are in the same world as me, trying to do great work. 
the thing I dislike, too much focus on one industry narrows the mind rather than expands on it. So that's the downside of being confronted by so many people talking about the same thing. It's really interesting that though, because I think, as you say, Martin, it's not, you're not ignoring the listener, but you're using the, the podcast both in conferences and in the, the regular episodes. You're using it as a way to make connections with, with the guests and you're using it as a mechanism to start conversations, aren't you? Rather than thinking about almost who's going to listen to it or what, the, what they will do as a result of listening to it. Yeah, I mean, what they will do as a result of listening to it, yeah, I mean, is probably further in the back of the mind. I mean, obviously, we want to create something listenable. And we've had some nice comments about how the the senior guests firing off each other provides pretty good material. And we do have this, everyone, every regular dog and bone ends with this question, um, what's your most awkward or embarrassing business moment, which usually throws up some pretty good sort of stories and anecdotes. But yeah, I think, you know, reflecting on it and perhaps the reason why the format has, has changed from time to time is being because for us as, as a B2B public relations content and business development agency, the most important role of the podcast is to help us grow and develop our own network. And both in the examples I've gave of the people that come in the room, for example, we had Keith Weed, who is the chief global marketing officer for Unilever at the time, which was, you know, a pretty big draw. We probably wouldn't have just been able to get him on the phone for a normal chat, you know, but by positioning as a podcast where he shared his his views with a couple of younger marketeers um, at the end of his long, long tenure with Unilever, we were able to create a piece of content that attracted him into our into our fold and you know got our awareness up with him which which was good but if we have to bend bend the format to open the door in a different example like a conference with 10 people in a bar where they just each give us two minutes what they reflect of a conference or something then then it, it you know it serves that it serves that aim as well and then when we're doing our own new business and development we can put up the podcast we can share the audio and when we say we're good at developing networks and we can reach certain people, we have proof positive that we can. Brownware, how, how have you got about getting those people? Because it is an impressive list. You know, when I, th- I think of some of the people who've, you know, you've had senior people from, as you say, Unilever, McDonald's, Google, loads of media agencies, Time Out, you know, all, I, I, there's, a, there's a huge list. And in many ways, it goes to show off who you can get. It shows off your network and your your ability to speak to these people to the listener because it you know it's, it's it's an impressive bunch of people but how how have you gone about that has that been a, a sort of labor intensive process for you of, of setting up guests has it become a bit of a pain in the bum um it has been labor intensive i'll uh, i'll take my hats off to to martin because uh, obviously martin's got a very big contacts book because uh, martin and i have both been in the business uh, for for many years in, in the marketing around the marketing world i was a journalist for many years martin was a journalist uh, some time ago uh, and so we build up our contacts over the years and, and a lot of our contacts have gained uh, seniority you know throughout the years so we they will listen to us if we put a call in. Occasionally, we, we've reached out and tried um, a, a kind of cold call, and that does work. It's all in the how you couch the invitation and how you sell the podcast guests you've had on previously and then showing the kind of status of the, of the people you've previously had on because people like to be seen in a, in a rich peer group. And it's worked so far, and it, and it is hard work, and it is, can be labour-intensive, and you are chasing people around to coordinate dates and diaries, and occasionally things have been moved several times. But ultimately, you know, if people want to do it, they'll get there and they'll find a way. 
Yeah, I mean, I can just add to that, Neil. I think, you know, on the original format or the kind of core format of the two senior people in conversation with each other who already know each other, then you can get a kind of member get member type of thing. So if Bramwell or I just know one of those two, we can ask and rely on them to bring the other one in, which is how we actually started. You know, um, we had Rupert Howell, who was a main board director of Reach PLC at the time, and he knew Paul Pester, the uh, chief exec of TSB, and suggested him as a guest. So it was from from one we got the other. We didn't know both people at necessarily at the same time. One of them brought in the other one, but it worked. And do you manage to persuade most of those guests to promote the podcast when it comes out? Do you manage to get them to do social posts about it every time? That's that's the aim. I mean, the amplification um, potential is huge if we can get there themselves if they are on social media and many CEOs and senior people are there are a few aren't these days if we get them their organizations their own comms departments to get behind the podcast that that is the kind of holy grail because the amplification can be huge on that kind of level if they tweet out and uh, share on LinkedIn and I've gone so far myself as to kind of reach out to the publisher of uh, someone who wrote a business book that we had on a podcast and once I managed to nudge the publisher into action, they mobilised and, and tweeted out the fact there was a podcast featuring their author as well. So it's uh, it's important to do that if you can get them motivated. Why do you think we've invited you to on today? Because you'll share it with your extreme networks. Um, the process for us on this one is, I mean, from our point of view as a production company, it's one of the least labour-intensive jobs we do because we really only record and edit. Is the second part of it, once we've done the recording, is that easier for you than the first part or what's what's the process involved there at your end? Martin? Well, um, I'd like, yeah, I would answer that. I sort of reflected on it a little bit actually because, yes, we are a little bit kind of control freakery on this and I remember discussing with you, Neil, and you said, oh, you know, Fresh Air doesn't have to do too much on on the dog and bone. You're often clients oblige you or expect you to do more and I suppose that other answer we gave that for us the dog and bone is as much about developing and opening doors within our network as it is the end listening experience I suppose that may be the answer because if you've got someone like a a Keith Weed from Unilever and he's made some quotes and and we're looking at the script um, to see what goes in I suppose yes we are quite keen to make sure that certain things we think are important to him uh, you know, get across. That's not to ruin the listener experience, but I suppose we've, it's an extension. Our editing and our input into the final product is an extension of the dog and bone being part of our kind of network build. One of the things we did after we'd been working with you for a while was to insert a little ad halfway through, literally like an ad break, Martin, that you sort of talk into and, and talk out of. Why did the messaging become that much more explicit? Oh, actually, yeah, I think you, you gave us some good advice about trying to get um, reviews of the podcast to get more prominent on the on the iTunes store and other, other formats. So I think it's a question of reminding, trying to remind people to do a review I would question how much it actually works in practice. It seems to me now that the way to get someone to, to do a review is to, to sort of send them the right link at the right moment when they're kind of online and just to minimise the amount of buttons they have to press to, to to get it. Just telling them to do it or asking them to do it doesn't seem to work for me. But um, also because we do a lot of work in the advertising business, we thought it'd be quite good fun to have our own sort of little advert um, but I think recently, to be absolutely honest, we haven't really got around to changing it. So 
if you think we should drop it, you know, please let us know. Yeah, I'll just add that um, there are, even in the small world of, of, of marketing, there are still quite a few marketing podcasts around, especially from the, the trade press. So you do want to make sure people remember where they heard that specific interview. If, if the editor of the Financial Times or the CEO is being interviewed on a, a number of different podcasts, you want to make sure people remember they heard that interview on your podcast. So I, I do think it's important myself to remind people where they're, they're listening, what, what uh, media property they're listening on. Do you ever use it to refer back to? Do you ever use it as a sort of library of content that you can pull out because it's relevant at certain moments? Yeah, uh, we, we do um, with, with the kind of journalist background I have. Uh, my antennae uh, are up to spot opportunities when the content may be relevant again. Uh, within Propeller, we do have a, a morning meeting where we look at the media and I can then see if any of our guests are in the news for a, uh, a reason, hopefully a positive reason in most cases, where they may have got a new job and or got a new CEO job or launched a new business. And that's an opportunity to re-promote our podcast with, with the appropriate framing you know, sentence around it and hopefully just get a bit more uh, attention uh, and a bit more interest and you know we will signal it to various journalists as well if we feel it's appropriate if uh, we think there's a story developing around a guest. Brilliant so I mean you've obviously kept it going for a long time now and it's a it's a sort of regular piece of propellers arsenal. Uh, what, how do you measure it to have been a success? What What sort of value do you think it brings to you? Or is there a way of measuring it? Is it just instinct, really? Well, I, I think given the point that it's a, a kind of a as much a door opener and a network created for us as an actual piece of broadcast uh, content, um, the fact that the, the the listener numbers are probably a bit lower than some of the things you've been involved in in, in in your career, but still, you know, passable, is a less concern to us than the uh, productions we've had and the doors we've opened through it. So... Yeah, we judge it on the on the ability for it to be a calling card for Propeller and also what we can do for our, our clients. But Bramwell will have a view on that as well. Yeah, uh, circle back to uh, what we opened the, the conversation with about the reasons why we're doing Dog and Bone. It has demonstrated we can conceive of a, a, a podcast format and come up with good ideas and then execute. Uh, and we have done so for a client. You know, we have created a podcast series, again, with your help for a client, if you recall, uh, we had a, a specialist agency called Omo Bono produce a podcast series, so we, we've you know we've walked the walk now as well. I'd also make the point that it's it's kind of got there's there's thirty people in the Propeller team, and it's kind of stimulated more interest throughout the team. I mean, we have another podcast now called uh, Views on the News that Bramwell uh, oversees with members of his content team at Propeller Group. Um, which is more kind of newsy and more kind of current affairs reaction, which brings in clients and contacts. So we had another one um, called a Brew with a View when we interviewed people. That was on video when they made a cup of tea. So um, it's kind of got the ball rolling within Propeller Group of what's possible with, with, with audio. So to that extent, it's also served a kind of internal um, encouragement purpose as well. It's interesting because you mentioned the numbers and, and we talk about you know, how you judge success. And of course, when we're talking about a branded podcast, one of the early questions that most people ask is how many people will will listen. And the listeners to most podcasts are, I think, lower than people would expect. You know, podcasting is, is not a majority of mainstream listening route yet. And therefore, managing expectations is really important for people, but also just understanding what the benefits are. And I think, you know, you guys have, have used 
the tool of podcasting and not get hung up on the numbers because you know that it's doing the right job for you. And, and that means that you're not continually, you know, worried about how to push it further or how we're going to bring in lots more listeners. You sort of know that it's got an organic element to it anyway, but also that it's doing a, a much more sort of grown up job for you than just trying to hit as many people as possible, which is, which is great. It's a, it's a grown up approach to it. When you look back on it now, anything you would have done differently? Any advice you would give to people who were looking to use podcasting in this way? I would advise to sort of just get going and do something because I think people sit on their hands kind of trying to work out the ideal format for too long. Except it's going to change and there'll be some mistakes and that's just its like playing a game of tennis. You know, you're going to hit a few in the net before you get, get your length right and there's not a real problem there. We called it the dog and bone, which is a kind of interesting, catchy name. One of the disadvantages is it doesn't have any reference to propeller in it. So from a kind of slightly branding, nerdy point of view, we're, we're spending time developing a name that isn't a reflection of the propeller brand name. But, you know, that's not, it's not the end of the world. But I think it's sort of a... It's a consideration. And, uh, you know, people should listen to advice from people like yourselves because you you explained things like Trint, which gives us the audio printout, uh, better quality of microphones, things like that. So I think people just need to be open about it and, and, and listen to the advice. But overall, just, just try something and see where it gets to rather than hoping to build perfection. There's probably a lot of risk aversion out there and, you know, you just have to go for it. That's true of any creative project, isn't it? Have a go. See how it works. Give it a try and then you can change it and improve it as you go along. Bramwell, any, any thoughts from you on, on how it's evolved and, and any advice you would give to others who are doing the same? Uh, just on uh, coming at it with a kind of granular content editorial lens on, just things that we've noticed and things we've realised we should do. Check the morning's headlines if you've got guests on in case... You know, the case is a, a big financial story about the guests you're having on. It might be their results or something. But yeah, it's better that you know what uh, what mood they may be in. Make sure you know what the main talking points are going to be, but leave room for spontaneity as well. Uh, you know, we, we have a kind of mantra that get it down on an A4 sheet, eight questions possibly as a structure, but make sure there's room to, to manoeuvre and be flexible and, and not so rigid about the approach. And understand that people aren't necessarily always relaxed you know, as soon as they start, it can take people, and I'm sure you know this yourself, a little while to relax into a podcast conversation. So, you know, the, the initial 10 minutes might sound a little strained, but hopefully they will relax into it and it'll be more more of an interesting conversation. That's a great tip. The The first 10 minutes of any conversation are the, is largely the stuff that you cut out in the end, because once people have warmed up, that's where the interesting conversation happens, isn't it? Just to finish off, you've added this question at the end of every episode, which is what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in your careers. So I'm going to turn it on you. Martin, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in your career? I didn't even think about doing this before we started. Sorry. No, you're quite, you're very spontaneous, as you say. (laughs) We're well warmed up. Early in the propeller history, we picked up a, a, a wondrous client. I was so happy to win. It was basically... The ITV head office, you know, we were the we were the PR agency for the head office of ITV, not the operating companies, but the, the actual sort of head office, which is how they were working those days. And they uh, cut long story short, they went and hired a new first off director of programming for the whole of ITV. So this person would be in charge in those days of Inspector Morse, Coronation Street, Prime Suspect. 
And we were the only PR company around that the press could speak to about this, this particular task. But as it happened, we weren't told who it would be. We weren't, it wasn't in our remit. And I suppose the embarrassing moment and the mistake I made was I tried to perhaps use the fact that we were the PR agency for ITV headquarters as a little bit of a build with my press contacts and maybe drop one or two hints too many that I might be the, the PR man who can help them out with this exclusive. And eventually they started sort of ringing me and texting me and saying, come on, Martin, you know, when, when are we going to get this story? And I sent a message to the chief exec of ITV at the time saying, you know, I've got all these press contacts on my back. Can we, can we hurry up with the announcement, please? And I got this very terse message back saying, you know, we'll do it on our own time. I don't really know who you are. <laughs> Even the person you report to doesn't know anything about this. And we'll be taking our PR arrangements in-house pretty soon. Oh, no. So that was a real sort of... Sweaty, clammy hand moment, which I learned a hell of a lot for about sort of flying a bit too close to the sun and managing expectations and all those lessons. <laughs> Bramwell. Uh, just thinking back to a long career uh, as, as a journalist, there's all kinds of scrapes and bumps along the way. Some time ago, I worked for a magazine and um, I was meant to be flying to a conference in Orlando. You know, last minute dash as a journalist, I was doing things at last minute. Rushed off to the airport, approached the passport desk, pull out the passport and, sorry, sir, this is the wrong airport for your flight. You're meant to be at Heathrow, not Gatwick. The cold, clammy fear that touches you as you realise you're not going to make your flight. And I did try. I got the connecting coach between Heathrow and Gatwick and was desperately willing it forward with every minute, you know, and ran in. Too late, missed the flight to what was a major conference and was too uh, embarrassed to tell my then editor that I'd missed that flight. So uh, I was a day late and out of pocket by the time I got there. But it remained a secret until this very moment. Brilliant. Martin Lowe, chairman of Propeller Group and Bramwell Johnson, director of content for Propeller. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. To find out how Fresh Air might help you to create a fantastic podcast for your brand, please do get in touch. It's freshairproduction.co.uk. And in the meantime, I'm Neil Cowling. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Fresh Air.